Hi, everyone. You're listening to The Kelly Joe Show on Talk Jive Radio, a Damon and production distributed by the Institute for Native Arts and Media, a 501c3 nonprofit organization based in Norman, Oklahoma. The views and opinions expressed in this segment are those of the individual and do not necessarily reflect those of the INAM organization. Welcome, welcome. And in the hot seat today, Robert Gifford of Gifford Law Firm. Thank you. Thank you for uh, coming on the show. Thank you for letting me be here. I'm honored. Okay, so I have all kinds of questions for you. And this is kind of a, a segment that's an extension of our Ask a Lawyer. Our Ask a Lawyer is brought to you each week by Oklahoma Indian Legal Services. But there are certain certain things that um, that oils, uh, certain facets of, of law practice that oils doesn't handle because of funding or because of their grant. So I wanted to talk to an attorney who knows some things about uh, protesters' rights, about some cashless bail. So we're just going to see how much information we can get in here. So uh, thanks again for coming on. And um, you work a lot in Indian country. I do. I do. Um, I represent uh, tribal individuals. I represent some tribal entities, some tribes themselves. But I also serve as a, a tribal court judge for seven different tribes uh, here in Oklahoma and one tribe in Kansas, the Call Nation, Iowa Tribe, uh, Seminole Nation, Absentee Shawnee Tribe, Miami Tribe, uh, let's see, uh, who am I forgetting, um, the Kickapoo Tribe in Kansas, and I'm on the Supreme Court at the Comanche Nation. So I think that's all seven. I may have missed one. Yeah, don't leave anybody out. <laughs> right, right. So, and, uh, you'll hear if they hear this interview, you'll hear about it. Yes, but and, um, but and, I wanted and, to talk about this is this is such a a volatile time in our country, not just Indian country, but in our our country in general. Even though as as Indians with our extra layer of government, we we it seems like it crushes us just a little bit more. And and I wanted I want to start with protesters' rights. And if if I'm out and I'm I'm protesting, they always tell you to write your attorney's number on your arm because because they're going to take everything from you. They're going to take your phone. They're going to take all that. They're they're going to handcuff you if they arrest you. But what if they what if they don't have a reason to arrest me? What if I'm just there, you know? exercising my first amendment right to to peacefully protest and that's that is something that is really not ever hasn't really been an issue since the early 70s uh you know where protesting was much more recognized and uh respected and treated as such but you know obviously in the last couple years both basically with some of the treatment of minorities uh especially after the uh the you know the, the tragedy with george floyd people started to stand up and speak up. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just George George Floyd alone. It's a long series of events that were, uh, were law enforcement, it was evident, were treating people of color a lot different. Um, so they, people started protesting and the government's response uh, was a, a lot harsher than what a lot of people were, were, that, or people were expecting. They say that if you don't if you don't remember your history, you're condemned to repeat it. And what we saw uh, during the you know during the Black Lives Matter, and it was you know I mean not just Black Lives, but really anybody of color, they were protesting, and we were seeing the same tactics that were used in the early 1960s. You know we saw 
you know, uh, we, we saw the use of force where in the 60s they were using uh, fire hoses and uh, dogs. Now they're using rubber bullets and smoke, uh, canisters, tear gas. Uh, they're using a lot of different tools. And, you know, of course, they, the, the tools that law enforcement also have with them, which include tasers and firearms themselves. So we, we, we all saw the videos that were happening all over the country as to how people were being treated during these protests. And the force didn't justify what was happening. We had protests. Now, I understand that, you know, there, there were protesters who vandalized property. There were protesters who may have been put, you know, been assaulted a police officer, pushing them, maybe even throwing a punch. Yes, that, you know, that should be treated as to what it is. But what we saw in response was something a lot harsher where, you know, people are standing there with their hands up and they're getting shot in the face with rubber bullets. We saw where people were, were, were obeying the commands of law enforcement. They were walking away. And as they walked away, they were getting assaulted by law enforcement. We saw a lot of people getting arrested and charged with things that you wouldn't even think of being charged with. For example, in Oklahoma County, people who were protesting standing in the middle of the road, they, uh, you would think, well, they could be charged with holding up traffic, jaywalking, uh, if, they, if they painted on the wall, vandalism, if they're standing in an area, loitering. There's a, there, there's a lot of different ways that could have been charged, but in Oklahoma County, the district attorney charged these protesters standing in the street with terrorism, which is absolutely <laughs> insane. And, you know, I, uh, I spent, you know, you know, my background, I spent uh, five years on active duty, total of 23 years in the, in the Army Reserve, uh, in the Army, uh, and I retired as an Army colonel as a military lawyer. And I spent a year at Guantanamo Bay with the cases dealing with terrorists arising from 9-11. But here in Oklahoma County, our district attorney was charging people standing in the street with terrorism, not for throwing rocks or bottles, not for carrying weapons, not for doing anything, but for protesting, walking down the middle of the street. And it was just, that was the, one of the perfect examples of how things have gotten away too far. So for people who are, are protesting, will be protesting in the future, you know, there's always, there's always some things to think about. And there's all, also those things that are beyond your control. As I mentioned, there were people who were obeying the commands, but still getting assaulted by police officers. And I, and, and I want to make this clear. I am not trying to bash law enforcement by any means, but it does take one person who can ruin the image of law enforcement. There's a lot of true heroes, public servants who are doing their best and they love their job. They're good at their job and they are who we want in that position. But every now and then you get somebody who shouldn't really be a police officer. As I always told people, police officers draw from the same human race that a criminal comes from. We all come from the same gene pool. So there's, there's, there's good police officers and there's bad ones. And it's the bad ones that make the news. Just like when, when we're protesting peacefully, there might be one of us in the crowd that throws a rock, throws a bottle. It's not, you know, it's not sanctioned or, you know, not what we wanted, but somebody did it and it kind of uh, falls back on all of us. But when you're in that position, you have to protect yourself. And there's a couple of things that uh, every protester needs to remember. Um, one, and this kind of starts with the common sense aspect. You know, if, if, they, if, if the officer asks you to step away, don't argue, step away. Step away and protest from where you're standing at. Don't, 
become a target and put yourself in a bad position. Um, the other thing is, you know, I think, as you mentioned earlier, some protesters would write their lawyer's uh, name on their arm. I would also say write the name on, the, on your arm of who you would need to call. We're in a day and age where we don't remember phone numbers. And if someone is arrested, they will, their phone will be taken away and placed in the property. So that's one thing that you have to keep in mind is that if you don't, if you don't remember phone numbers, then you need to write them down. Um, also, anything that's on you, if you get arrested, they will go through your pockets. They will go through your stuff. If you're using your car, they will go through your car. So be smart about what you have on you. Don't have a weapon. Don't have a knife. Uh, don't, don't have any illegal substances. And that's, that's also a very key thing is what, they, what happens is that people show up at a protest to exercise their freedom of rights, but they end up getting charged with something completely outside of that you know, uh, they, or something they may have had in their pocket, something they may have had in their car, something that was in their car that they didn't know about. And I see that a lot where somebody has something in their car and under Oklahoma law, it's, you know, it's presumed that you know what's in your car and you can be held responsible. So if there's a firearm in there, you know, you can, you know, you can be in trouble if you're not supposed to have a firearm. If you're a prohibited person, as you have a prior felony conviction or there's something going on that could get you, in, get you in some trouble. Um, you have a right to uh, you, you have a right to protest. But I will tell this, and I can't emphasize this enough. You know, you can't talk yourself out of a situation, but you can talk yourself into a worse situation. And that's why I always tell, tell everyone, do not talk to the police. You don't have to. It doesn't help you. And I, and I know people say, well, if they, you know, if they could hear my explanation, they'll let me go. What I always tell people is you will have the opportunity to talk, but you need to do it under your terms. So it's always good to say, I don't want to talk right now. I want a lawyer. I want to, I want to exercise my Fifth Amendment right to remain silent. And if you do that and you feel like later you can talk and fix it, do so with advice of counsel. And I see so many people who don't exercise the right to remain silent and, and they talk themselves into more, more trouble, more charges, and they confess to something, had it, they just waited, talked to a lawyer, and then they could go talk if they wanted to. If they want I to. think people get caught up in the emotion of it too. And, and you're right. I mean, when you're, when you're in that kind of situation, anytime you get detained by police, and I've been detained by police, um, anytime <laughs> I just, I, it's just me. And I have that face and I have that attitude and they like to detain me it, wherever I am in the street, even, but you do have that kind of, uh Oh, <laughs> like, like, I just, I need to tell them why I'm, why I'm here and what I'm doing. And I think a lot, especially with natives, a lot of that comes from us always feeling like we have to explain why we're anywhere. Mm -hmm. because yes. at some point somebody always asks us well what are you doing here well why are you here and especially with law enforcement and somebody in that authority it's like I, I I need to I need to say something oh my gosh I can't believe that this isn't my weed <laughs> you well, know oh no <laughs> I know it's in my pocket and here it is and I'm sorry kind of thing it's like uh yeah turn around <laughs> And they also, it's also the, uh, in the, you know, it's the old phrase, you know, they, they play the good cop, bad cop. It really, it's a psychological ploy and it works where, you know, somebody can be, you know, one officer can be very aggressive 
and upset you and cause you to respond or cause you to say something or cause you to push, then they got you. If that doesn't work, they bring in the good, the good cop who tries to relate to you, who tries to calm things down, who, who just wants to get to the bottom of this and we're going to let you go. And you end up talking to them because you feel like you have an ally. And that's, I mean, and you, know, you don't, <laughs> you don't, you don't, because, you know, they are trying to, you know, and this just doesn't apply during protests. This applies in general. And I will, uh, a couple of other things. Now I want to emphasize this. If a law enforcement officer comes up to speak to you, they can, they have every right to come speak to you and ask you what's going on. You don't have to answer them. Um, if they ask you to go with them, you don't have to. You know, we, we all grew up watching those movies or watch those TV shows where they say, we want to take you downtown and ask you a few questions. They can't do that. They, they cannot take you downtown unless you consent. And that's, that's the one thing they always ask. It's sort of like when you get pulled over and, and if they say, do you have anything in the car? You say, no. And say, well, you, you won't mind if I look around, do I? And most people say, well, I feel like I can't say no now. You can. You can say no. Say, no, I do mind, you know, respectfully. And, you know, I, you know, respectfully, I'd like to be on my way. And, uh, but if they say and that no, never works, yeah. <laughs> because so, at that point they call in backup and they search your car, they take you out right. in handcuffs and yep. that, especially then lawyer, yep. <laughs> that's well, all you and, need to say. And, and if they want to take you downtown, you know, if they take you and it's against your will, you've been arrested and they can't, and they can't unarrest you. I mean, they can take you downtown and let you go, but they can't legally do that because that is, you know, under our fourth amendment of the constitution a seizure of you, you know, search and seizure. You cannot be unlawfully seized. And if, if there's no way that they can charge you with a crime, they can't take you downtown unless you consent. So that's one of the things that you see a lot, you know, you would like for you to come downtown. If you consent, you can go. But a lot of people don't realize, you know, once you're, you know, once you're there, you know, you're kind of in their environment. But a lot of the other thing that people don't realize is if you do consent, you know, you know, do you want to talk? Sure. You have a right to stop at any time. You know, can I, uh, can, you know, can I come in your house? You can ask them to leave. You know, that's the other thing is that, you know, with folks that they ask, they, if a police officer wants to come in, come in your house, what you don't realize is that once you let them in the house, they have, under the law, they have a right to do a check for safety and walk around your house just to make sure there's nothing, nothing like someone hiding in the bedroom with a firearm. They, so they have a right to do what they call a protective sweep. So as they're doing this protective sweep in your house, you invited them in, you think you're just going to stand in the doorway or stand there in the living room, and they're walking into your bedrooms. And as they walk around your house, anything they see may give them probable cause. So if they see a firearm, if they see what they think is drug paraphernalia, then they can do more of an intensive search, start going through your drawers and looking underneath your bed. So I always tell people, if you consent to let them in, they get to do a look. And if they see anything that gives them probable cause, which, you know, as you know, probable cause can come from what they see or what they smell. And if they say, well, I thought I smelled, you know, uh, drugs, you know, we, we always say marijuana, you all used to say marijuana, marijuana is legal, it's, but it's still probable cause for a police officer to look further. Or they see something that might be drug wrapping or uh, plastic bags or whatever, and they start looking more. And then you've really dug yourself into the hole. I'm not saying to be rude or, uh, or, uh, abrupt with a police officer it's you can always say you know yes sir no sir i respectfully would decline to do so and just stick with your answer and if they want to talk to you more you say you know i'd 
like to exercise my right to remain silent and I like to have a lawyer present with me and they, and they will, you know, they will leave you alone, you know, but, uh, with the, <laughs> will with, they, well, you don't, you don't think that they would just like stay there and, or try to arrest you or be, and, and, and here's something too, like if, if that cop comes in, because I mean, here, especially as, as shorthanded as every, everything is here that usually, unless they feel like they're in danger, they don't send two units. But when that second unit comes, sometimes a third unit comes and a fourth unit and all the units in your little town are, are there yeah. traipsing through your, and, and so how do you, how do you, as a, as a, as a citizen exercise your rights and say, Hey, everybody out, I don't, I, I don't consent to this and you have yeah. to leave. Yeah, I mean, I think, leave, leave or arrest me is the, is that, is that basically it? Yeah. But I think, well, the thing is that, you know, you have, if you invite them in, that was kind of the first mistake. You could talk to them on the porch, but you just don't give them the consent. But if they're in your house, you have to say, I no longer consent to being present in my house. If you want to talk to me, well, I'll stand outside and listen to what you have to say. Um, the problem is once you, once you've let a horse out the gate, you know, they, whatever they put in their report, uh, it's really, then you're trying to disprove a negative. I thought I saw a firearm. I thought I, they put their justification as to why they won't leave your house. So that's why you, it's always better to, they come to your door, speak to them, you know, outside, you know, speak to them on the porch, uh, always be polite. In fact, you know, uh, I, uh, uh, if I get pulled over for speeding, um, I immediately, you know, pull over, put my car, in, uh, park i turn it off i roll down both windows and i put both hands on the steering wheel and uh i have discovered that when i do that police officer uh, more than once a police officer has commented to me that you know he's they would ask do you have a firearm in the car and i'm like i don't and that they would say okay and the reason they're asking is because of how i've behaved and they said Are you, do you have a concealed carry i'm like no i don't i you know and you know, and I, I told one police officer, I said, I know that when you approach a car, you don't know what you're approaching. So I'm trying to make it as easy as I can. He goes, well, I really appreciate that. And they didn't give me a ticket. So they, I, I have found if I try to, you know, call, you know, calm them by when they approach the car, they don't see I'm going to drive off. I've got both windows down that they can approach either side. They can, they see my hand, they see my hands and I don't, I don't reach. I, and if I get pulled over, I don't reach for my, my glove box to get the insurance out. I wait till they're there and I tell them, you know, they say, can I see your license and insurance? And I said, well, my license is in my wallet. I need to reach for my pocket. May, may I do that? And, like, you may, and that's usually when I say, do you have a firearm? I'm like, no. And I said, my insurance is in my glove box. May I reach for it? And they say, yes. So I do that. And I've had several police officers thank me for doing that because some people, they get pulled over, they're automatically reaching. And so the police officer, what he sees, he sees somebody moving around and they know, well, they're either getting their insurance or they're hiding something or they're reaching for something. So they, it makes them a little bit nervous. But if you take away some of those fears, they see that you're being respectful to them and you understand, you know, what it's like for a police officer. When you pull someone over, it is a little nerve wracking because they, you know, if you're the police officer, because you don't know what you're walking into. And uh, I'll never forget, uh, you know, uh, when uh, when I was a, when I was a prosecutor, I had a police officer who was a very good police officer and I wanted the jury to like him and, and understand what his daily life was like. And I just had nothing to do with the case but i asked him when you pulled someone over why do you why do you turn your car out just a little bit you know they kind of do like they kind of pull in and kind of angle their car out and i always thought just in case maybe they had to jump in their car and they can pop out right away and he explained to the jury he says no if someone comes out shooting 
if I'm behind my door, it'll go through the door. But if I have my car angled, I have the engine blocked to try to stop the bullets. And it put it, it explained to the jury just the everyday dangers that a police officer may be facing. You know, it, it may be rare, but it has happened and it will happen again. But it gave some appreciation of what he what, what that officer's feeling every time he pulls somebody over, whether it's a highway patrolman, police officer, sheriff's deputy. So uh, it gave a little respect for that officer when he was testifying. Now, on, 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 the other, on the other side of that, you know, I have seen officers absolutely lie under oath in affidavits they've submitted for search warrants. I've seen them lie in court. I've seen them lie in police reports, even on the silliest things. And they will keep things out for, you know, you're like, why, did, why would you want to hide that? There's just no, there's no reason to do it. So, it's, uh, again, I'm not... I'm not trying to bash police officers. There are good police officers. There's great police officers. And there are, there are some that have no business carrying a gun. Well, and I think too, when, when we're talking about getting pulled over, especially as a Brown person, what we try, what we advocate is, you know what, have your wallet and your insurance right there on your dashboard or somewhere close where the officer can see it. And that way you, you tell them like, Hey, there's mm-hmm. my wallet right there. There's my, because we always advocate, just like you said, roll those windows down, put your hands on that steering wheel, because especially with, I mean, that's, it's just a fact of life that we have a higher incident of, of, you know, death by Ooh. cop and a, and and a lot of it. And I'm not, I'm not putting any blame on anybody because in those situations, it's, it's a split second. Right. Right. But for for us and for and for for Indians, you know, keep your hands where they can see them. That's gonna that's gonna and don't 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 reach for anything without telling them, hey, or you know, hey, my wallet fell in the floor. If you know, I'll keep my hands here. Can I reach for it? If you ask them and tell them, like to me that and and to me that's just it's a courtesy to them, so they know that you're being cooperative. But I'm terrified of getting shot. Like, and I'm right. kind of mouthy too. So I'm going to comply as long as I can. But at the same time, if somebody's asking me to just search my vehicle right off the bat, no, sir, you cannot. Yep. Yep. And yeah. I, I always, I always tell people, you know, decline. Even if you, ha- you know, they say, well, if you don't have anything to hide, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't say no. And I'm like, well, that's true in some aspects. But there's also the other aspect is you have the right to say no. You know, that's, and that's what, you know, you, you were given certain rights, you get to keep those rights and you might as well exercise those rights. And I think more people need to say no to force police officers to do their job a little bit better. And that's, and that's one thing is that they need to understand that saying no is not, not trying to be difficult. I'm saying no, because it's my right. And because I, I can. Yeah. And I really want to get back on the road and keep going. I, I, I have to be somewhere. So that's, that's, that's you. And the same, the same applies during a protest. You know, uh, if police officers are approaching you, you know, be careful of putting your hands inside your coat or in your pockets or behind you, because all of a sudden that, you know, that 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 throws up something. And that's where people sometimes get shot. I mean, we've had several individuals unarmed, shot and killed. And police officers will say, I thought I saw him reaching for something. And they use that, you know, and, you know, all of us like watching the body cam video don't agree with like, that's not what we're seeing. And it's hard when you're in the moment and I'm not trying to justify or excuse anything because I'm not, 
but there are so many unnecessary killings that I still can't understand how, you know, a naked 15 year old boy is considered a threat and they, and they shot and killed him. I mean, how, how did three, you know, how did two police officers shoot him? And what danger were they facing? Because he was 15, he's naked. He doesn't have anything in his hands. And they, and they, and it was still determined to be, you know, a justified shooting. And I still don't understand how it was justified, but again, it kind of goes back to the system where, you know, we don't necessarily like the system, but, you know, for example, you know, uh, I'm a tribal member myself. Uh, I do. I have tribal tags on my car, and if I get pulled over, I it's. I think it's because I'm not dark complected. When they approach, they're surprised when they see me. They're like, "Well, you know, you, well, you're a white guy," and I'm like, well, I was like, yes." And I'm like, "That's just me." And I said, "But it doesn't mean I'm not, you know, proud of my, you know, proud of my, my, my heritage, my lineage, my ancestors, my, my tribe. You know that." I mean, I used to work for and them. take advantage of the benefits as a citizen <laughs> as a citizen is provided by yep. by being a member, a citizen yep. of that of that sovereign nation. Yep, and I've got you know I've got some criticism for like oh well you, you know well you know you shouldn't have travel tags. I mean I've literally been told you know you shouldn't have travel tags. You're taking away. I'm like no, I'm exercising my right. Just like just like a police officer has certain benefits just because he's employed somewhere or someone who works for a certain company has certain benefits because they work there, they're exercising their right to, to enjoy them. And that's, it's just kind of a funny, funny and weird situation, but people need to realize in protests or even a car stop, you know, it's always much more, uh, it's, it's almost always better, you know, put your, leave your hands on the wheel. Don't reach unnecessarily. Always be polite. Don't, don't, don't argue with police officers. And I tell people if they, if they're writing you a ticket, you're not going to argue your way out of it. If you want to contest it, take it to court. You know, that's because go talk to the judge, go talk to an attorney because you, you have a better chance there. You arguing with the police officer, you're just giving him motivation to, uh, you're just giving him motivation to write that ticket or write more tickets. Um, as I mentioned, I you know I serve as a tribal court judge for seven tribes, but for four years I also was a municipal judge for the city of Oklahoma City. I served uh, as a part-time judge, and so I used to get all these citations that would come in, and I would be reviewing them, and I could tell when somebody came up and the police officer wrote them four or five tickets on one traffic stop. You know, I will tell you what that tells me, and this it's one hundred percent the truth. I know this, I call, I called it, this guy got the asshole charge, meaning that either the, <laughs> either the officer was being, excuse my language, an asshole, or the, uh, the, 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 the driver was being an asshole. So, so they just kept writing him tickets, not just speeding, you know, fire to use his turn signal, fire to stop. Uh, you know, I mean, they cracked windshield. They wrote every ticket they could on him. And, you know, so when the guy, you know, of course, when I came into court, I, I knew what would happen, you know, what had happened. And I let him talk and, he, you know, say, like, OK, I'm going to try to do the right thing. I want to get I want to dismiss the tickets that didn't really he wouldn't have written normally. We'll stick with the speeding ticket. And uh, but it was clear to me that the officer was uh, trying to make he was trying to give this guy a little payback. And that's why it's important. Don't argue. Don't talk. You know, if they ask you questions, you can answer them. And that's why if you if you notice, if you ever get pulled over in a traffic stop, they always they start talking to you. Where are you headed today? Uh, you know, they, uh, how's your day going? Um, you know, they'll just start talking to see what your responses are. Because sometimes when you start talking, you're giving the officer probable cause. Because if you start acting nervous or whatever, well, you kind of stutter around. 
they can detain you and call out a drug dog to search your car. And they can keep you there on the side of the road for 15 minutes, half hour. And so- Two you know, hours. Yeah, and if that drug dog hits, then they get to pull you out and they can search the car. Even though you didn't consent to it, that drug dog hits or gets a sniff. And of course, in this day and age, in a state where medical marijuana is legal, you know, they're, they're hitting left and right because whether you have, you know, whether you have a license and you use, you know, someone rides in your car and there's going to be some smell. I mean, you're going to get, you're, you're going to get uh, searched. You know, they, that's how they do it. So they can detain you, but that's, they start asking you questions and they want to kind of see what's going on. Like I said, I always tell people, you know, don't volunteer too much. You can be polite, you know, I'm just headed to the grocery store or where are you coming from? Or uh, you're off, you go, you're going out awful late tonight. I mean, they, you'll hear all those questions and that's how they get you talking. Then they get their probable cause. They search your car, search you. And the same thing applies in those protests, you know, like I said, uh, but as if, if you protest uh, in a lot of the communities, they want, uh, they, they want a uh, permission from the city, you know, that you have a permission to protest in a certain area, uh, you know, public sidewalks or public sidewalks. Um, but if you stay there for too long, they can, could be written written a ticket for loitering. Um, you know, follow the rules, do it right. And if you do it right, then you're setting the police up for making a mistake, that they're going to force you to do something that you had every right to do. I'm authorized to be here. We're authorized to protest. We are in our area. We are doing nothing wrong. And that's that's why if you, if you play by the rules, you for you force somebody to make a mistake and not play by the rules, and then you're really winning. What you don't want to do is you can't go too far and you find yourself in trouble. Um, for example, another example, not just the uh, Black Lives Matter protests from 2020, uh, but just in the just in this recent year, we've seen uh, you know every about every four years uh, we see new protests for Leonard Peltier. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, probably our listeners all know who Leonard Peltier is. Uh, I've been, I'm, I'm actually somewhat involved with his case. Uh, I work with his lead attorney, who's an attorney out of Nashville, a former federal judge who's working on trying to get his sentence commu uh, commuted and get him released. You know, uh, Mr. Peltier is, I think, 74 years old. He's not in good health. I've talked to him on the phone. We've written letters back and forth. And uh, people are still fighting to get him out. And there was a protest in the uh up in tulsa outside the federal courthouse and uh everybody got arrested and of course you know some people threw some punches so now some of those officers uh, as some of those people that are protesting for mr peltier are being prosecuted and because they're because they were tribal and it happened in tulsa which is now part of cherokee nation and muskogee creek nation they are now and because it's now as it was a felony on the police officer it's being prosecuted in federal court from that protest so, uh, and so some of my, you know, I mean, and I, and I know, and I know several of them because they were friends, you know, Facebook friends or whatever, and they're, they're, they're having to fight that battle from, for, from that protest. So be, you know, be smart. It's okay. Be loud, so, you know, speak your voice, but you kind of have to know when to turn it on and turn it off. And, uh, you know, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Some, some cops do not have a sense of humor and failure to comply is it can mean all kinds of things i'm here to tell you failure to comply can, can it covers a multitude of of charges so 
just be careful out there and be smart. Thank you so much, uh, Robert Gifford. If y'all want more information or um, if you have any questions about the information that you heard today, you can email him at uh, robert.gifford at giffordlawyer.com. So thank you so much. We'll talk to you again, hopefully, and uh, more about Know Your Rights. So uh, very interesting stuff indeed. Thank you so much. You've thank been you. listening to The Kelly Joe Show on Talk Jive Radio, a production of the Institute for Native Arts and Media and a Damn Production. The views and opinions expressed in this show are those of the individual and do not necessarily reflect those of the INM organization. For more information or to donate, email Native Arts and Media Institute at gmail.com. You can always catch past episodes of all shows wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for your support.